3: Good afternoon, and the Most High, in the name of Christ, bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room, where we examine examine recent events and other topics as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. We give all praises to the Most High in Christ, and we give thanks for God's generous mercy, grace, and forgiveness. At this point, I'd like to remind everyone listening in uh, that the chat room is available for your comments and questions. Today's topic, I think, is a uh, very, very interesting one, and it's going to be interesting for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. We're going to discuss a, a gene that is purported to be responsible for cheating in relationships, for risky sexual behavior. And joining me here in the virtual living room to discuss this topic, we have, first off, our brother Abaja.
1: Hey, shalom, Most High. In the Name of Christ bless everyone. It's very good to be here.
3: And we also have with us our brother Kabar.
4: Yes, shalom, everyone. Good to be with you, listeners. And as always, all praises to the Most High in Christ forever, for all things and everything.
3: Well, brothers, just uh, I know you reviewed information about this uh, cheating gene, and I know you you got some uh, some things that you want to say about this. Um, but so that the audience is aware of uh, what we're talking about, I, I did locate um, an audio clip that we can play uh, from uh, one of the news local news programs. Here, here's the article or, or the clip.
2: If you have ever come across an unfaithful partner, you may want to cut him or her some slack. It is estimated that 53% of all people will have one or more affairs in their lifetime. And it turns out that certain people may be unfaithful because it's in their DNA. This is according to a new study. The study shows that genetics may play a really big part in sparking infidelity, even those one-night stands. Justin Garcia led the team of researchers who conducted this study, and he is joining us now live. Justin, good to have you with us. You know, this sparked a lot of debate in our morning meeting, uh, and I think probably for a lot of our viewers who are watching right now. And certain people could be very happy to learn the results uh, of this study. So what made you go ahead to study and try to, I guess, encapsulate this particular behavior?
0: Uh, We were interested in this uh, particular gene, a dopamine BRD4 gene. It turns out everyone has it. Uh, but we have variation in it, and some folks have a variation that kind of primes them more for sensation seeking, thrill seeking, those things that really uh, give you a rush. Well, tell us a little bit. Uh, so we were. No,
2: I want to ask you, though, how you, how you went about trying to track this down, how you found out genetics could explain why mm-hmm. people are trying to achieve that rush that you mentioned.
0: Okay, it's a great point. So, this same gene is important for a neurotransmitter, a chemical in the brain called dopamine. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's associated with alcohol use, substance use, uh, jumping out of airplanes, uh, anything that gives us that excitement and this particular variant uh, causes some folks to just need more so while some of us jump out of an airplane and we get to the ground and are glad we're alive uh, other people are waiting for the plane to go back up and how are those individual differences in behavior associated with individual differences in our genes
2: so is this basically a way to figure out uh, a variable for sexual addiction I mean you're equating this to uh, thrill-seekers also alcoholism I think in certain cases Uh, so is this basic sexual addiction
0: uh, well, sex addiction gets us into clinical territory. It's something a little a little bit different in terms of folks that can't stop. We can't forget that humans have uh, something really unique, and that's this big brain that allows us to make decisions and whether or not we're going to uh, do behaviors uh, uh, or not. Uh, what it really does is it tells us a little bit about the motivation, that some people need sexual thrill. And what's really interesting here is that it's uncommitted sex. It's infidelity mm-hmm. and one-night stands. It's uh, sex of a risky nature, and... Why does it give some people a rush? We all engage in sexual behavior. Well over 95% of Americans engage in sexual behavior. Uh, hey, we we'll wouldn't have context. gotten here without it, it in a relationship? We wouldn't have gotten yeah, here without that's it. That's what know? It keeps our population alive. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We we'll wouldn't we'll have gotten here without it. But the context it. is important. <laughs> the context is important. Uh, most the people around the world engage in sex and committed relationships, but how do we choose? Do we have sex in a relationship and an affair and a one night stand and friends with benefits uh, with a prostitute? There are a whole bunch of different context in which we engage in sex. Uh, this tells us a little bit about how we choose one other than another. Okay,
2: but if, if somebody does have this gene, are you saying the decision-making is out of the process for people to be able to say, you know what, I, I need to make an educated decision about how I'm going to act uh, in my sexual life? Or you are saying that if you have this gene, that you are just going to be promiscuous?
0: No, not quite. I think we have to be really careful about that. Okay. In fact, uh, folks with this gene are much more likely to ever have a one-night stand and much more likely to commit infidelity, and when they commit infidelity, they do it more often. But, however, we all have this gene, so it depends on the type of gene that we have, how it varies. There are folks that have this variant, and they will never stray on a partner. They will never have a one-night stand. There are folks that don't have this gene, and they might have uh, a billion one-night stands. Uh, so it's not deterministic. It just tells us strongly a relationship beh- behind how our biology might prime us that gives us certain urges to go in certain directions. And, and in fact, sometimes uh, it needn't be sexual behavior. One could uh, get their fixed by jumping out of a plane right. or having an alcoholic beverage or playing group sports, in fact. Break down the
2: study group, though, of, of men and women and what you saw <clears throat> from uh, you know, the different sexes
0: uh... Great. We've had 181 um, young adults. They're actually students from Binghamton University, where uh, where we conducted a mm-hmm. study with a collaborative group of researchers, psychologists, biologists, anthropologists, um, and uh, they were all undergraduate students who volunteered. They came in, took a survey, uh, also provided some questionnaire information on relationship history, uh, and then gave us a, a DNA sample from the cheek, uh, non-invasive. Uh, however, we didn't see any sex differences between men and women. Um, or overall, in terms of just number of sexual partners, it was the type. It was these uncommitted partners that mm-hmm. varied according to genetic variation. Oh, well, we uh,
2: really appreciate you coming on to talk about this, Justin Garcia. It really was an interesting read, and like I said, it got a lot of us talking uh, here in the newsroom. Today, Great. So. Thanks, Thomas. Justin, take care.
3: All right, brothers, you heard it. Uh, that, was, that was a whole mouthful there. Now... Um, about you, uh, you know, considering everything that this guy Justin brought out, Justin Garcia, um, you know, and understanding one thing that he did bring out was that um, simply because of the presence of that mutant gene doesn't mean that you uh, are going to uh, cheat on your your spouse or you're going to engage in risky behavior, sexual behavior. But um, considering um, everything that was brought out, if someone were to cheat on their spouse, isn't that kind of giving them an excuse for the cheating they've done?
1: <laughs> that's funny. Well, the thing is, is um, as the clip was playing, I was actually looking for the uh, the scripture where it says that the Lord, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. It was somewhere in the apocrypha. Um, I can't. I, that's kind of basically a paraphrase of how it goes. But basically it says that. The Lord made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Meaning that the Heavenly Father gave us the scriptures, and He gave us the example of His Son Christ on how we're supposed to lead our lives. It says, "But we have sought out many inventions," meaning that we, man, will come up with any type of excuse to justify, you know, committing sin or basically to do whatever they would lust after. So it doesn't surprise me that. Uh, The brother got Ecclesiastes uh, 7 in the Bible So it doesn't surprise me that, you know They've come up with this study Because actually I was doing some research on it prior to the show And this study actually started as early as 2004 When they were, um, you know, basically had first studied it And they tried to narrow it down to a uh, quote-unquote suite of genes Not necessarily one gene that basically spanned across three chromosomes And it, it was basically a bunch of garble. Okay, but the Heavenly Father already told us where those sins part. And actually, the Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes in the Bible 7 and 29, where it says, Lo, this only have I found that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. So people are always going to seek to circumvent the commandments of the Heavenly Father because... um, I, it's a couple of things. I mean, I have a mouthful to say, but I'm trying to say it as quickly as possible because there were a couple of things that I wanted to key in on from that, uh, news, article, that news article. One was when okay, you said the caveat. before you go
3: go go further, can yeah. I ask a question about uh, you bringing up the scripture about God making man upright?
0: Okay, because mm-hmm. you know
3: here you have someone that is 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 has a mutant gene in them that could potentially drive them into committing infidelity. So, you know, how do you reconcile that with the scripture that says God has made man upright?
1: Well, what it means by God made man upright, when you go back, you find out, when you basically read from Genesis all the way through, when you read the Bible, you find out how the Heavenly Father made us upright. He gave us the commandments and instructed us on how to follow them. And not only that, he gave his son for us to Basically be an example So we don't have an excuse as far as Why we go astray from the commandments He gave gave us everything that we needed But also, see the thing is The real root of the matter is The Lord already told us what was in the heart of men So I want to go To Mark 7 And I'm going Right to the point verse Verse 21 And this is the Lord Jesus Christ He says, for from within Out of the heart of men Perceive evil thoughts, adulteries, which is in the context of what the thing is, the cheating gene, okay, fornications, the one-night stands, and all those other illicit uh, sexual acts, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lascivious, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So the Heavenly Father through Christ has already given us the context of in the scriptures as far as what type of uh, how we have those sexual relationships, meaning a husband and a wife, you know, so you don't see boyfriend and girlfriend in the, in the scriptures. You see the context is clearly defined as husband and a wife, and anything outside of that is fornication or adultery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to touch on two other points where he said we have a brain to make decisions. So it, it comes down to choice. In the scriptures, the Lord said that where well, all these evil things come from within and these defile the man. So that motivation that's supposed to, you know, cause us to follow the commandments is the sincerity to follow the truth and not the lust of our flesh.
4: Okay.
3: Uh, this time I want to invite our visitor. And we got got uh, Yawanathan is in the virtual living room with us. Shalom, brother. Yawanathan. Okay. I thought he was with us. Um, apparently uh, he is not. Hey. Uh,
5: so, you there? You want to talk? Yes, I'm. Okay. Yes, I'm here. All right. Yeah, fantastic. Um, if, if, I could, if I could chime in on it, um, you know, this sounds like a case of trying to find, instead of there's a gay gene that is, or whatever type of gene, um, this is an example of trying to find an excuse to do wickedness and that trying to say there's fault with the Heavenly Father because. It, like like the verse was bringing up, but the Most High made us upright. I mean, from from the beginning, is it, it would it be fair that the Most High, the Heavenly Father, made man that without giving him sense to reason, and then giving him chance to make choices? So the Heavenly Father is fair and just on all levels. But because we choose wickedness, and now the man understands, even though they may not want to declare, um, but they understand that a lot of things that we do are corrupt. They want to get, find an excuse to go green light more and support their uh wickedness and corruption. And and this is all this is this is a case um example case and example of of that um action taken about.
3: Okay. That's um uh, Kabar, uh, Yawantan and, uh and Abaja, they are refuting this whole idea that uh this Cheating gene, this this gene, uh, mutant gene with the dopamine and so forth in it, uh, that this is somehow going to give someone an excuse uh, to cheat on their spouse or engage in some type of risky sexual behavior. While while it may not give someone an excuse, wouldn't you say that if something like this happened and this person was found to have this mutant gene, that at least it could lend some greater degree of understanding as to why they're engaging in it, you know, and you can just kind of go easier on them than you would someone who didn't
4: have the gene. Well, you know, this gene that they're speaking about, uh, this allele, uh 224 um, mm-hmm. gene that they're speaking about out of the, just uh, a, Konolinska Institute of in Stockholm, Sweden. That's where the study is coming out of. The fact of the matter is, if you listen to, I don't know if it was a doctor or whoever this, this uh, person was, but uh, speaking about the uh, study that we heard on the clip, he said that this gene is a precursor or related to such acts as jumping out of airplane, thrill-seeking, so on and so forth. So he's saying this is a this is a component that motivates that type of risky behavior. Now, of course, how he's trying to link it to one night stands, uh, you can see how very loosely and subjectively that is being tied together. And of course, it goes back to the simple fact that a person is going to choose which act they're going to engage in. So, so the fact that this gene is present has nothing to do with the decision a person is going to make, whether they do one thing or the other. So the gene being the fact that that drives a person to commit one-night stands is utterly ridiculous, according to the man's own statements about the study that he was involved in conducting. So you got to throw that out, number one. The whole other part is that, yes, the brothers mentioned the fact in Ecclesiastes 7.29 that God made man upright. With that, he has sought out many inventions. Now, the reason uh, Solomon is drawing from that understanding is because that is coming directly out of Genesis, the first chapter, the creation chapter where the Lord is making everything in the six days. And He's talking about when he made the plants and the earth and the water and the, and the wells and the beasts and everything, and, he, and the Lord is saying that it was good. Jump on to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Jump down to verse 27 of that same Genesis chapter 1. that says, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. At the end of that chapter, God says in verse 31, Genesis 131, it says what? And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very Good. It says in the evening in the morning was what? The sixth day. So out of all of the everything the most I created in on that six days, the ocean the sun, moon, and stars, wells, creeping things, and right down to the crowning work of man. All of that was created by God and God said it was very what? Good. Meaning according to his image and likeness the way he wanted it to be. So to try to say the gay gene or the uh, uh, alley three four four gene that makes you commit adultery or or fornication, and try to say, well, we, it's just in our design how we were made. It's totally erroneous and false.
3: Okay, but now when when this the study it, it showed that uh, people who had this mutant gene had a greater propensity to engage in infidelity and other illicit sex. So how do you how do you uh, rationalize or, or how do you come up with a reason why this is happening then? You know if if, if you're made upright and so forth, how do you go about why is
4: this happening? Why are people committing infidelity? Right. Well well this is the reason why James the book of James chapter 1 and verse 14 is going to tell you the reason why this is happening. And it don't have anything to do with a gene. Now let's go to it. James chapter 1 of verse 13 tells you what? Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. See, that's that old gene, God made me this way. No, the most I didn't make you that way, nor did God put the thoughts in your mind to do those wicked acts. So that's out the window already. It says, For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. This says, verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Okay, so it's, it's in that man's own lust, covetousness, and desire to commit the act of fornication, adultery, one-night stands, murder, whichever particular thing is drawing away that man according to what's in his own mind. And his own lust, okay, that's what's enticing him. Nothing else, no, uh, God ain't doing, it's not the gene, it's your own mind. That man's own covetousness. Verse 15 says what? Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, which is that one night stand or that adultery or that murder. And then it says what? And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death, because what? The wages of sin is death. God is gonna judge it. So he didn't make you that way. He didn't in his design of man put in a gene that's gonna make him commit sin and then God is gonna condemn him for making that sin. That ain't that's not what happened. Man decided in his own mind, because God created man upright, but man has sorted out many inventions, which is what? Sin. Sin is an invention of man. Totally against the will of God when he's drawn away in the Christ of his own lust, out of his own covetous mind that begins to go contrary. Against God, because it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And when he goes into that lust, commit the act, now sin is brought into, brought into existence. And because of that sin, there's judgments after that. So it's man in his own desire. It's in his own head, his own covetousness that's drawing him away and causing him to do this. Not a gene, not God.
3: So now bringing out these scriptures in the way that you, you're you bringing them out, are you um, uh, suggesting that uh, this whole study on this uh, dopamine DR4 mutant gene, that it doesn't have any bearing on the
4: infidelity or illicit sex that people have? Well, the fact of the matter is, do you have these uh, chemicals and receptor sites? Yes. They're triggered by a great many things. The problem comes in when these scientists try to link them to specific acts. When when these acts can just as randomly be done, from you know uh, these these chemical reactions can randomly be attributed to any t- particular uh, extreme act. But they want to select a particular one and say, well, you know what, this is linked to that, and this is linked to that. And then when you find out in these studies and you look closely to it, you find out that the links are. You know very loose And there's no concrete proof of anything They're saying Okay
3: and and he did say that You know this is the one for risk of behavior You know so you would just as well uh, Commit an act of infidelity As uh, enjoy jumping Out of airplanes
4: um, Exactly
3: because you get a thrill from it You know so um, if, if, if But so are you bringing out scriptures To say that you know th- it really don't exist in the way that they are suggesting it doesn't exist at all, even on some uh insignificant
4: scale it doesn't exist what what I'm saying is this let me just get this scripture because um, this, this this scripture is really did out did Go ahead. This? uh first Timothy chapter six and verse twenty it says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding.' Profane and vain babblings. Okay, that's what's coming out of these so-called scientists' mouths with these studies. It's profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science, falsely so called. Which is what this study is. Is it is an opposition of science, falsely so called. there's a real science that God made, and then there's a false science that man creates out of his own lust and his own desire. Like science once said that the earth was flat. When the scripture says in Isaiah that God put us upon the circle, circle of the earth. So man, science is his own lust. But the true science, meaning the true design of the Most High, that's going to stand. So this, these uh, genes that they're trying to link to infidelity and link to one night stands, that's oppositions of science, falsely so called, meaning it's vain and profane, and it's just basically a lie out of the, the mind of men.
3: Okay Okay. Alright Well uh, th- that's that's saying a whole lot uh, We're going to go ahead and, and listen to a, a couple of announcements And we're going to come back and talk some more about this whole thing About the cheating gene
6: The brothers from the Body of Christ Church in Buffalo, New York Would like to invite you to our sex class Held every Friday evening From 7.30pm until 9.30pm the location is 282
5: Winslow Avenue in Buffalo, New York. Once again, 7.30 to until 9.30 p.m., location 282
6: Winslow Avenue in Buffalo, New York. So if you're in the Buffalo area, you're always welcome. Remember, Christ said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Thank you.
1: If you've enjoyed today's program and you live in the Atlanta area, we invite you to view our public access television program. For Fulton County, please tune in to Body of Christ on People TV, Channel 24, every
6: Sunday at 1.30 p.m. Or for DeKalb County on Comcast Channel 25, every Monday at 2 p.m. And now back to today's show.
5: Hi, this is Shamat from the Body of Christ Church in St. Louis. I would like to invite you to our show in the SDL. The shows air every Wednesday at 6 p.m. It is an hour show on Charter Communications, channel 980 and 981. So take some time out to get the good word, and may the Most High in Christ bless
6: you. My name is Hush Young from the Body of Christ Church in Waterbury. I would like to take this time to invite you, or anyone you know that lives in or is planning to visit the Waterbury area of Connecticut, that's covering the areas of Waterbury, Middlebury, Prospect, and Walker, to so tune into our show, Revelation of the Testament, airing every Saturday at 12 noon to 1 p.m. on Channel 13. And may the Most High in Christ bless your understanding and increase the proofs of your righteousness.
3: Welcome back to the program. Uh, we are discussing the uh, cheating gene. Uh, you know, s- Some scientists have gotten together, and they've done some studies over a period of years now, and they are somewhat concluding that there is a mutant gene in some people that is responsible for them. Uh, uh, their acts of infidelity and other illicit sexual acts. And, uh, Ioanathan, the question I have now is, you know, someone that has already engaged in these illicit acts and so forth, and then maybe they go and have their DNA tested, and they find out that they actually do have this mutant gene. And the reason why they've engaged in these illicit acts so much is not because necessarily they just had, uh, they just love doing it, but they just had this overwhelming drive and desire just to be involved in, uh, you know, uh, with a number of different women. What would you recommend to that person uh, to do to overcome what they're dealing with? The
5: so, only thing I can recommend them to do is not to trust in man, but trust in the Heavenly Father. As it says in Proverbs 3 and, uh, I can get it, Proverbs 3 and 4 or 2 and 7, it states this once I get there, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3 and um, 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. All right, so the thing is, to lean on what the Lord says, leave off man, this his wisdom, that is no wisdom in the sight of the heaven Compared to the Lord's wisdom And um and trying to trying to figure out why you got a gene Try to figure out why you're not following the heavenly father's noise on Christ And repent And repent And then put on his doctrine and become clean to him And then you can conquer that gene that you think or you might speculate you have Which is only envy and lust of Satan like the brothers was bringing out You want to be like Satan? And you love the fruits of Satan, and you want to get in dally in whatever it is that you're doing in this regard, uh, fornication. But the world calls it a cheating game. Okay.
3: Avajah, would you have anything to add to that?
1: Oh, i got a great
5: deal to add.
1: Um, <laughs> I want to read Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, because this basically goes back to, you know, the, the gospel of repentance that Christ told us to teach. And this is when he was re, uh, rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees. I got a few scriptures I'm gonna go over. It says, "Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, because those were the leaders that were at that time responsible that were supposed to be teaching Israel the commandments, but they weren't." And he says, "Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithes of mint, anise, and cumin, but have omitted the, excuse me, omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not leave the other undone." So we understand that. Judgment, mercy, and faith Okay, so let's deal with judgment Because the thing is In dealing with repentance We have to understand What we're repenting of And the, the judgments that come with that Here we go, judgment 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 It says Know ye not that ye are the temple of God And that the spirit of God dwelleth in you If any man defile the temple of God Him shall God destroy For the temple of God is holy Which temple ye are so the Lord already told us when the scriptures were brought out in Mark 7 about the things that defile a man, which is ultimately, in a nutshell, the breaking of the commandments. And he broke it down, the adultery, the fornications, the murders, the covetousness, the idolatry. All of those things are commandments that we have to stop breaking. And the only person that can give us that spirit to do that is Jesus Christ. Verse 18, it says, let no man deceive himself. Because when we follow the things of the world that try to define how we're supposed to govern ourselves instead of the Bible, we start deceiving ourselves and justifying ourselves in our actions and not trying to be justified according to the Scriptures. So it says, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may become wise. So it's going back to what, you know, what was being brought out. It says, let him become a fool that he may become wise meaning that the wisdom of this world, we have to leave that alone when it comes to repentance and how to follow and love the Heavenly Father and how to follow and love Christ. We can't go by what the world says because Christ didn't say, oh, well, you have a gene that's going to make you do certain things or be a thrill seeker and all of that. You, You don't read that in the scriptures. That's the wisdom of this world. And the next verse tells us what the wisdom of this world is. It says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise, in their own craftiness I'm going to read verse 20 And again the Lord knoweth the thoughts otherwise That they are vain So the scriptures clearly tells us that The wisdom of this world is foolishness If anybody wants to follow behind that And say well you know I'm genetically predisposed To you know seek a thrill And to have one night stands Or basically to go into anything <clears throat> Excuse me that's contrary to the commandments The High is going to judge them for that They're going to receive a reap The the works of uh, of the flesh Which is death ultimately Which is why the Lord gave us The mercy and the faith. Because the mercy is is that A lot of the things that we do Basically we're worthy of death According to the scriptures But because of the faith of Jesus Christ And the the mercy that we get through him We can repent of those things And not be put to death for them Or be judged An example of that was in John Where the woman that got caught in adultery The Lord said what? He told her, ultimately, he said, go and sin no more. So when we hear the word of God and we see the example of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to turn ourselves from those things and repent of those things and follow what the scriptures say. I want to go to uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. And, brothers, you go ahead and jump in at any time if you uh, you feel to, because I don't want to monopolize the whole uh, remaining time here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. It says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So that is the mercy that we receive from the Heavenly Father in Christ, to escape those sins that would destroy us. It says that those things, those temptations that come upon us Are common to man So when you look at the examples in the world And you see all of the different things That are contrary to the commandments As far as the idolatry and the fornication I mean, the average person Everybody cheats Everybody cheats at one point Uh, Everybody has done this Yeah, we've all fallen short of the glory But that doesn't mean that that's a reason for us To remain in those sins So
3: and that's what the because right. the article said that it's fifty three percent of us have had one or more affairs. That's more than half. So one out of every two people that you meet has had an affair.
1: And that's that that's talk, that's just dealing with just relationships that ain't even uh so called relationships, but I ain't even dealing with just straight out one night stands and fornication. Right. So <laughs> that that's that number <laughs> listen. Just repent and That's all we. That's all the scriptures say Just repent Instead of worrying about how many people did this And how many people did that Because the beautiful thing about repentance is that um, And uh, one of you brothers can actually read that About uh, the scripture that says about being a new creature in Christ
4: Yep I'm trying to remember exactly sure, how that was uh, so That's Second Corinthians 5.21 I believe Right
0: You
3: know, uh, Kabar, um, there there were some comments to this article, um, and one of them I thought was uh, kind of interesting and maybe even just a little bit humorous, um, and I want to read that comment and get your uh, response to it. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, was commented by somebody whose last name is Estrada, and it says, One of the good things about being Catholic is that I can bed hop all I want, and be forgiven later, as long as I confess, it's all good.
4: Your comments. Okay. Well, we'll adjust that. That scripture that you want wanted, uh, Brother. That's uh, sorry. That's Second Corinthians five seventeen, when it yeah. says, "Therefore, if any man, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new." So, when we actually truly. Repent in the name of Jesus Christ and truth in the spirit sincerely And put away those, those things of the former man how he used to live Then God forgives us completely of all those things from the past And as far as God is concerned, you are a new creature in Christ And all those past things is like it don't even exist with the Lord If you move forward according to the doctrine of Christ and truth in the spirit But dealing with that question that you mentioned about Well, hey, you know, I could just send up a uh, you know, three you know, three of those and everything is okay. Mm-hmm. That that's not the that's that's completely not the scriptures. If we go to if we go to um first uh let's go to Hebrews. Um because the thing is that is the doctrine. That those are one of those doctrines of devils that's taught in the world. That that leads people falsely to conclude that, you know, God loves me and it no don't matter what I do. I don't I don't really basically what they're saying is I don't really have to repent. You know? But this is what the scripture actually says in Hebrews chapter ten and verse twenty six. It says, If we if we sin willfully, alright, meaning if we practice sin. After that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So that means that person who's practicing that sin, meaning they are committing that act once after the other, laying uh, sin upon sin, and they're not repenting, and they don't have any plans on repenting. Okay? I can give you, you may have that quote. Uh, There's quotes from rappers that say, we're going to sin a lot and pray Christ forgive us. That's not going to happen either, okay? So that's that's the doctrine of the devil that's in the world. The scripture tell us, Hebrews 10, 26, so if we sin willfully, meaning practice sin or continue to sin, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So that basically means the blood of Christ does not cover you. You are in your sins, and you're going to receive that judgment like it's about to tell you in verse 27. It says, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment, fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Who are the adversaries? Those who oppose God and the scriptures and Christ. Those are the adversaries. Or the ones who continue in sin. Those are the adversaries. So it's not just, well, I can, you know, the beautiful thing is I can just continue to sin, and on my deathbed I say, I love you, Jesus, and I it. No, that's not going to fly Because in Luke it tells us Christ the Lord told us Why well, call you me Lord, Lord And do not the things which I say? So that's why you have to read the scriptures And believe Christ as it is written According to the scriptures And not follow the doctrines of men And the doctrines of the devils Because that is going to lead to damnation
3: Let me read another one of these uh, uh, comments here That um, I think it, it pretty much agrees With what you're saying uh, this was this one was by Paloma, a uh, Paloma, Paloma, yeah, Paloma. Uh, it says forgiveness for sins is given to all, but Catholic doctrine preaches avoiding the occasion of sin and repentance for sins. Since you admit to committing the same sin over and over again, it is un, it is likely your philosophy doesn't include repentance or changing your behavior. Confession is something to wipe the slate clean, so. You so you can commit the same sin behavior over and over. Sadly, there is misrepre- misinterpretation of the Catholic teachings and doctrines. Catholics strive for the same virtues as all other Christians. To call yourself Catholic and use confession in the manner you do is inexcusable and an abomination to those who really practice solid teachings of
4: forgiveness, repentance, and redemption. Huh. Well, well, this is... the. If I may brothers You know this is one of the problems with uh, uh, He he may be right on certain points In that people don't understand Repentance and don't include that Include that in it But the fact of the matter that he's trying to Defend the Catholic faith Which is in and of itself a falsehood that's, that's a major problem There's no Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostals Whatever It's only the body of Christ 1 Corinthians 3 and 4 tells us and while one saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and ye are, are ye not carnal? So the scripture goes into how people, even in Paul's time, was making denominations after what men or the men who taught them, like I'm a Lutheran, or, or, or I'm a Calvinist. Okay, that's after those are the uh, religions created by man. We gotta follow what the scripture says, but it tells us. Uh, going back to that same point about repentance And how that understanding is not there The scripture in Revelation Excuse me, in Romans chapter 2 Verse 3 and 4 tells us And thinkest thou this, O man That judges them which do such things that And doest the same That thou shalt escape the judgment of God So that's talking about hypocrites Verse 4 says Or despisest thou the riches Of his goodness and forbearance And longsuffering Alright, that's God giving you a chance to repent not so that you can continue in your sins. So it says what? Not knowing that the goodness, meaning the mercy, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? Repentance. That's God giving you space to repent, to learn, to see what you're doing, to confess and forsake your sins, not to continue in sin and think at the end of your life you're going to say, well, I love you, Jesus, and then enter into the kingdom. That's That's not going to happen. Yes,
1: okay. yes, I just wanted to add in, because even dealing dealing with um, you know the whole thing about the gene and how people seek to either justify or even just put it out there as a quote unquote reason, they may not say that they may not justify the act because even in some of the articles that I looked in, you know, you, depending on who was writing about it, they would actually come at it from angle that you know I'm not we're not justifying or how you say condoning the act of infidelity but it really goes back to that age-old argument of nature, what they call nature versus nurture, basically meaning nature, meaning what a person is predisposed to do or what's in their genetic makeup, or uh, you know, basically what their instinct is versus nurture, meaning what they learn through their environment or, as uh, in our case, what we learn in a household. You know, this, this is really what that whole thing goes back to is the so-called argument of nature versus nurture, meaning I was made this way versus... This is a learned behavior I want to read Ecclesiasticus 15 And I'm just going to go straight to the point At verse 12 I'm going to start at 11 It says say not, say not thou That it is through the Lord that I fell away For thou oughtest not to do the things That he hateth. So it's showing us that It's showing us that we can't blame the Heavenly Father Oh well the Lord gave me this Gene or the Lord made me this way And this is why I do it it says, for thou oughtest not to do the things that he hateth." Let's read down because it's showing you that there are things that the Heavenly Father loves us for and there are things that he despises us for. So if we fall away and go into sin and then want to blame the Heavenly Father for that, it says, listen, you shouldn't do the things that he told you not to do. The next verse, say not thou, he hath caused me to err, just like what we read in James. It says, for he hath no need of a sinful man. The Lord hateth all abomination, and they that fear God love it not. So we have to really look at it. When the Heavenly Father through Christ told us what abides in the heart of man and what defiles us, then that means repentance is learning what those things are that the Lord hates and learning to basically have that same hatred for that within ourselves and to not go into those things. Verse 14. He himself made man from the beginning and left him in the hand of his counsel. Back to what we was reading in Ecclesiastes at the beginning of the show about how he made man upright. The brother brought it out about those things when you read through Genesis about how the commandments, the commandments were given to us. So the Lord gave us instructions on how we were to conduct ourselves. But what I was looking for it was uh, down in verse 20 where it says, He hath commanded no man to do wickedly, neither hath he given any man license to sin. So regardless of all of the studies and the so-called justifications that man comes with, comes up with, uh, his scientific studies and all of the things that they come up with to say, well, this is the reason, or that's the reason for this, or you're genetically predisposed to do certain things. Listen, the, the commandments already told us <laughs> what we're supposed to do. It, it's, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. It basically boils down to a choice. Either we're going to repent through Christ and follow his words and his example or we're not. And mm-hmm. and that, that's the thing about um you know, like I said that's the thing, you know, going into a repentance. Uh go ahead. I, I I was uh getting ready to get another um verse but you got, I think you wanted to bring he's, something he's speaking
3: about choices here's another comment uh that has to deal with uh choice to some degree. Um this was written by uh Tabby and she says I am forty four
0: and have a huge
3: drive I divorced my first spouse because he didn't have one at all. And I don't believe in cheating. I remarried years later, and he still can't keep up with me, but at least he tries. Brothers, your comments on that comment?
4: Well, I mean, you know, the fact fact of the matter is that this woman, whoever she is, Tabby, Uh, She has to understand what the focal point of marriage actually is And that's to become one flesh uh, in Christ According to the commandments of the Lord And yeah, sex is a part of it But she's making that the focal point Because she divorced her first husband Which of course in the body of Christ would be an unlawful thing Because they didn't perform sexually Okay, that would be sin to do that she said he didn't have a
3: drive at all, though.
4: Okay, at that all. don't that mean means she didn't, zero. Yeah, well, that didn't mean he didn't have sex, but is she just comparing her drive to his? So, regardless of what it is, the fact of the matter the fact of the matter is that yes, we're not supposed to deny one one another, and that's not what she's saying. She just she just saying his drive, you know, wasn't potent or wasn't. Uh, 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 as strong as hers was She never said that you know they didn't, they didn't have sex or whatever But the fact of the matter is this That's not a cause for divorce Because the scriptures give us what the cause for divorce is And that is Idolatry fornication Fornication either in a physical sense By committing an unlawful Sexual act or a spiritual sense Going into idolatry and forsaking the Lord Those are the grounds for divorce Not because you feel like You're not getting enough sex Okay, and
3: I'd like to dig into this subject just a little bit more Because now if you have someone You're married to someone And they you don't want to have sex but maybe twice a year
0: And they're really are
3: not into it then You're saying that you don't have any recourse In a situation like that You just got to deal with it Grin and bear it When you probably want it instead of twice a year You might want it twice a day Right. No, mean,
1: the, um, had, uh, go ahead No when you when you look at cause no, First of all we're dealing with the institution of marriage According to the scriptures Okay mm-hmm. so Let's look at what the scripture says That marriage is really actually a representation of I think that's in 1 Corinthians um, well, That's in
4: Ephesians
1: Ephesians right
4: Ephesians
1: the 5th okay. chapter Alright I want to go to Ephesians the 5th chapter because the thing is, it talks about the relationship of the husband and the husband has with the wife. I want to go to Ephesians 5. And I know it's right you can before it's the end. Yeah, yeah, okay. <clears throat> okay. I'm just going to start, just go straight to the point that, um, let me see here. Here we go. I'm gonna go straight to 31, because the the latter part of that chapter talks about the love that a husband is supposed to have for his wife, and the love that a wife is supposed to have for her husband. Mm-hmm. But the point is in verse 30, where uh, 31. Okay, and this is going right back to Genesis. It says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they twain shall be one one flesh. So we know this is talking about the whole thing about marriage. Thirty-two. It says this is a great mystery But I speak concerning Christ and the church Nevertheless let every one of you in particular So love his wife even as himself And the wife see that she reverence her husband So the context Of how the scriptures speak of in marriage First and foremost is showing you that The union between a husband And a wife in Christ Is symbolic of the relationship Between Christ and the church So the love that Christ had for the church to the point that he gave his life for it, by that same example showing you the the love that a man is supposed to have for his wife, the reverence that the church, meaning those members in the body of Christ, have for the Lord Jesus Christ is that same reverence and respect that we're, that a woman is supposed to have for her husband. So now that we're dealing in that context, that means that when it comes to something like, you know, sex and how even, even how they work certain issues out, That has to be something that they have to agree upon between themselves, meaning it boils down to, okay, well, the Scripture says that I'm supposed to love my wife and I'm supposed to nurture nurture her, meaning primarily first in the commandments, okay, because some people will take that and twist it, nurture her meaning sexually. I mean, that's part of it, but the primary, the foundation is, dealing in the commandments of the heavenly father.
3: But you you're not you're not in any way insinuating that uh here, here's a man that has a wife and you know he ain't he ain't too crazy. You know, maybe she's gained a couple of extra pounds or whatever, but he ain't too thrilled about having sex with her. So it's like, you know, once or twice a year he can stomach it. Uh, you know, so he he'll, he'll have sex with her about that often, but you know, pretty much on you know, she ain't had none in a long time, so she is wanting him. And he's refusing. You're not suggesting anyway that 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 type of behavior is okay. There has got to be some type of recourse for this woman in a situation like that, isn't there? I well,
1: that goes recourse. back to the well. That that goes back to it. Just explained it about the husband having that saint, that nurture and that love for his wife, and the wife reverencing her husband. Because I'm mm-hmm. gonna read First Corinthians seven, because um, this was actually in the Church of Corinth. You had people that would basically had questions about marriage. Okay, 1 Corinthians 7 and 1, it says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. So the church had an issue about marriage because the thing was, when you read the entire chapter, people were afraid to marry because they thought that they were committing sin. So now the reason why Paul started out by saying that it's not good for a man to touch a woman when you read down further down into the chapter, it goes into, I'm going go straight to the point. Uh, verse 26, here we go. It says, for I suppose, therefore, that it is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be, basically without a wife. But now, verse 27, art thou bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, meaning a single woman, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. So the reason why he was advising for people to remain single is that basically so that they can they can attend to the business of the Lord. Um, I'm sorry, did, did you read verse
3: five in this chapter?
1: No, I'm getting I'm going back to that. I'm going back to that. Because the thing, because the thing is, he said. But he also came back and said, "But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. Nevertheless, thou shalt have trouble in the flesh." Meaning, that's not a negative thing. That trouble in the flesh means that the responsibilities and duties that you have in dealing with a marriage are basically going to going to I'm not going to say compound. Um, I'm looking for the proper word. Basically, you're going to be dealing with those responsibilities of marriage that you would have to deal with if you were single. In so many words. But um, going back to the first, to the beginning of the chapter, verse 3, it says, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. So that due benevolence is talking about sex. So those things, it those are things that you have
4: to contend with when you uh, become married. Also, on that same point, you jump down to verse 5. It says, defraud ye not one another, except it be with what? Consent for a time you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. That that also is going into sex. So the scripture basically let you know when you get married, the husband does not have power over his body but the wife, and the wife does not have power over her body but the husband, meaning that. That's why it goes into the defrauding part, meaning to withhold something legally, the right of somebody else. So the Mm -hmm. the thing is that if that husband is defrauding his wife and denying her sex, that's, that's unlawful. He's not supposed to do that. Neither the wife is supposed to do that to the husband. It's supposed to be with consent that, of course, madness doesn't start in a relationship. So the scriptures deal with it clearly, and those are things that have to be worked out, and people have to be willing to repent and apply the scriptures in those situations. That's the point Hey okay,
3: brothers We we do have a visitor To the virtual living room And uh, visitor If you would go ahead And give us your name And come in a question And uh, you know Make all that quick Because we're really short on time We're about to end the program
6: God bless you Thank you so very much I'm Pastor Stephen Amaker From Deliverance by Faith In the chat room uh, uh, I heard the question About men uh, You know uh, not performing, or rather, you know, being faithful to their wives. You, you know, now you lost this case. I want to read the scripture right fast. It it has nothing to do with that, but on the spiritual sense, it says Hebrew six and uh, four says. If for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift that were made partners of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the word to come, the world to come. So, in other words, if, if, if I'm in love with God, I can't backslide. You know, if you really keep up your love with God, you will not have no affections for another God. So if I'm really in love with my wife, then I should not have any affections for another coming into the, into, into the, you know, to the marriage, bringing someone else in. Uh, so what's going on? A lot of times people are not getting married for love. They're getting married for infatuation or because they have sex before they got married. And now that they're married, they're marrying the good feeling of sex and not marrying that person. Thank you very much.
3: Okay, well, thank you so much for uh, stopping by to visit with us. Um, that, I uh, guess, pretty much concludes the program today. Unless one of you brothers have another real quick comment, you uh, do you like to make?
1: There's nothing more to say about
3: okay. that. All right. Well, uh, I want to uh, say uh, thank you to uh, you brothers for participating here in the virtual living room and also to everyone in the chat room and listening in right now. Thank you. But uh, most, uh, most of all, thanks goes out to the Most High in the name of his son, Christ. Until next time, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you all. Shalom. Shalom. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thevoc.com or you can email us at com or call us at 877 871. 1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ,
6: bless you. Shalom.